I'm Anya Katz, and you're listening to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. I started this podcast because I was tired of being stereotyped as lazy, triggered, and entitled. I wanted to give voice to a different kind of millennial and invite us to write a new story. One of a generation willing to challenge the status quo, embrace nuance and paradox, and reject PC culture. This podcast isn't about finding answers. It's about asking the right questions. How can we reinvent ourselves and the narratives we've been expected to inherit? How can we take ownership over the ways we participate in our own suffering? How can we move beyond victimization and into empowerment? How can we fix ourselves to fix the world? It's time for new dreams, new stories, and new futures. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Thank you for being here week after week, or if this is your first time, thanks for being here for the first time. I am legit sitting here at the desk wearing my thrifted fur coat. It's, uh, I can't necessarily say it's that cold in the house to where it would necessitate wearing a fur coat, but the weather is, the temperature is dropping quite a bit today and we are going to have our first snow here in, uh, central, south central Colorado. And I have not experienced a winter in like almost a decade. And I have been looking forward to this day, the next two days for a long time now. Um, every, ever since I saw that it was going to snow and get really cold. I think it was like 65 degrees yesterday and it's supposed to drop to a high of like 19 tomorrow or something. Um, but I'm excited. I feel like my body is craving the sort of inward hermit focus of cold weather and a winter that I haven't had in a long time. And somehow the world is so crazy that being in my head and, uh, living a sort of inward existence feels a lot easier than going out in the world these days. So I'm looking forward to being snowed in and sitting by a fire and reading and um, relaxing as best that I can in these very, very, very weird times. Um, I think I've described this on the podcast before, but I feel like we've been on the upward trajectory of a roller coaster for a long time and we have yet to do that initial drop and part of me hopes that the drop is the election but I also feel like it's not gonna be I think me assuming or any of us assuming that we're gonna like understand what's happening in the world when the election occurs is probably just another symptom of us feeling like we want to or can control the absolute insanity that is transpiring around us. And I think it's probably going to be a lot more complex and a lot more drawn out by the election. But I don't know, hopefully the election is at least one more foot up that roller coaster. Um, we're pretty damn high at this point. Um, I'm excited to bring you today's episode. Uh, Fanula is 16 years old. Um, she's the daughter of uh, Jake and Belinda, who are close friends of ours. And we went over there to their home um, in LA. I don't know when this was, even a month or so ago. And we, I started talking to Fanula that evening and was really impressed by the level at which she sort of could communicate 
who she was and how she felt about living in the world at this time. I feel like I remember being 16 and it was definitely a very formative year for me where I felt in many ways like I was sort of becoming an adult or at least more of an adult than I had been previously. And yeah, it was good. I, I felt like speaking to her really caught me in some of my own hypocrisies. A lot of this podcast is about sort of being annoyed that you know, older people are sort of judging us in one way or another. And also that older people, older than millennials, that is, that they've kind of checked out of these problems and just hope that the younger people will solve them. And that's always been a source of frustration for me. And uh, I sort of caught myself in a similar position of thinking like, well, I don't know, I hope one of these young people overthrows the government, you know, I hope these young people are <clears throat> so passionate or smart or uh, strategic that they'll be able to figure these things out. And meanwhile, I'm a very capable, um, you know, adult who can also uh, make a difference and make change. And why are we putting all of this pressure and expectation on kids that can't even vote yet? You know, it's not, it's not, fair to do. So I hope that all of you who listen to this, um, who are millennial age or older, uh, have a similar kind of experience of, you know, checking yourself and your own uh, stagnancy and hypocrisy around how we are actually going to enact change in this world. Another interesting thing that I I guess I was thinking about this before I recorded this episode with Fanula, but I was thinking a lot about my experience at summer camp. I went to a sleepaway camp, an all-girls sleepaway camp in Maine. It was an all-girls sleepaway camp, but there were male counselors. It's a weird choice, I think, to have male counselors be the counselors of, like, very hormonal, you know, I mean, girls of all ages, but up to like 15 years old and have like a 20 year old male counselor. And I feel like that was an oversight. Anyway, I went to sleepaway camp from when I was like 10 to 14 or so, maybe 15. Um, but it was hands down one of the best experiences that I've ever had. And I would often think about sleepaway camp once I was too old to go as the sort of utopian paradise that existed only in that context. My mother went to sleepaway camp when she was a girl and that in Maine, and that was partially why she really wanted to send me to camp to have that uh, same kind of an experience. And I've been thinking about this recently because as I've gotten older and as I've sort of extracted myself from a life that was less than ideal and less than authentic um, for myself, I realized how much... I assumed that those types of sort of communal, fun, quote unquote, utopian experiences that like I was, I was acting as if, and, and this isn't just me, obviously, I wasn't thinking about this in a vacuum. I think our culture and society does this a lot, but they make us think that living a fun, full life with friends and um, pleasure and sharing responsibility is not something that can exist on a day-to-day -day basis. It's something you need to go to, to do. You need to go on a retreat. You need to go to camp. You know, you can only have those types of experiences, um, in this very sort of small fashion. It's like vacation, you know, you're supposed to be miserable for your whole life. And then you can only experience the pleasure of a vacation when you actually go on a vacation. But to think that you're always going to feel that level of fulfillment or relaxation in your day to day life is silly. And what I've come to realize is that that's 
a lie. And I recognize that I'm saying this from a position of privilege, and I know that there are so many structures and systems in place in our world that prevent us from living at, let's say, sleepaway camp or a retreat every day. I know that we have responsibilities and we need to make money and we have children to raise and we need to keep a roof over our head and eat, make enough money to prepare food. I understand all of that, but I wonder how much just the um, the way in which we think about this prevents it from happening. So to assume that we can't experience that level of pleasure in our everyday lives, how does that prevent us from doing so? Uh, which I guess you could think about as some sort of like wooey manifestation principle. But certainly I don't think we can experience what we want if we truly don't believe it's possible. And to sort of reject that we in our day-to-day lives have to be miserable and busy and unhappy and unfulfilled, how is that actually creating the problem in and of itself? And I've been thinking about it a lot in talking to Fanula, just remembering myself at that age and being young and the way in which I looked at the world and the way that I expected that I could have a lot more than I ended up allowing myself to have in my adult life. But also because for the first time ever, I have friends that are my age that are very much in line with and aligned, I guess, with my values and the things that I like to do. We were just, uh, I just had some people, some friends visiting who are also millennials and all of us got a little drunk and started dancing around the house, um, saying ridiculous things like, I feel so held in my trauma. Uh, while the older people watched the presidential debate, which I thought was a very bizarre uh, evening. But anyway, it was fun. And I, I felt like I've, I've, I've tried to be so serious and I've tried to be so adult and I've tried to, to sort of put my head down and do the responsible thing or, you know, be a perfectionist or sort of grandiose in a way of all the things that I could accomplish in my life and to just kind of relax and I mean, not be a kid again necessarily, but have fun and see how I'm like creating this kind of summer camp environment around me that in the past I assumed I could never really experience again and certainly not experience for more than three weeks out of the summer. Um, It's been really nice and not just nice, but also maybe imperative for surviving these times. I keep getting messages from my mother who lives in New York City, which is probably one of the most difficult places to be in right now, how grateful she is even for the friend, the one friend who she can go to vote uh, with because it's emotional and she's crying and like, okay, fuck, I need to find someone to be with during the election because that's a really intense time. And it makes me happy that we as humans, I think, are seeking out um, sort of on an intuitive level what we need at all times, but especially in this time. And I hope that all of this insanity that's going on right now, I mean, not that I hope, I know, I know that everyone who's listening to this podcast is having a similar experience of really being reminded of what matters and um, how challenging it is to live the 
prescribed life that, you know, capitalism and patriarchy wants us to live. And I suppose when things weren't this bad, it was a little bit easier to pretend like all of that was fine. But in any kind of even moderate crisis, I think we very quickly realize that we need to relax. We need to take a bath. We need to laugh. We need to have, we need to give someone a hug. Um, we need to support each other. We need to eat good food and read things that are interesting and put the computer down and the phone down and look up at the sky. These things are necessary. And I, I sincerely hope that we continue to acknowledge what we need as humans, um, even when some of this sort of intense climactic <laughs> insanity crisis is crises are occurring. I certainly am going to focus more on that for sure. I, not that I feel like I wasted my twenties. I don't have regrets, let's say, but I'm very, very much committed to, to the best of my ability, creating the life that I want to live and welcoming people into that space as much as I can and providing opportunity for other people to either share that space with me or create their own space in that respect. But truly there is no limit. Um, I think a lot of these limits are self-imposed and for those that do have limits with children or with extreme poverty or with whatever they're going through, you know, I think we have this uh, tendency as quote-unquote more privileged people to think, well, if everyone can't experience this, then I shouldn't. And I like to challenge that uh, because I'm not really sure what staying small and staying unhappy does for people that don't have that privilege. Um, I recognize that there's a sense of guilt and a sort of like survivor's guilt almost of experience, experiencing fulfillment and happiness when other people can't. Um, but I truly don't understand how staying small and preventing happiness altogether is beneficial. So what can we do as people who have these abilities, people who have the privilege to create and perpetuate happiness and fulfillment and pleasure for the decades that follow? Certainly showing young people that they can't have all that they want isn't benefiting anybody. Anyway, I am going to keep this intro relatively short and sweet. Um, other few little housekeeping notes to mention. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash Anya Kotz. We are just about at the end of our October book club. We're reading Belonging by Toko Pa, which... I'm going to sit and finish in these days of these next couple of days of intense snowy weather. Uh, it's such a beautiful book. All the books that we've chosen so far for the book club are so incredible. I'm uh, really yeah, filled with a lot of gratitude for um, how amazing the books have been that my podcast guests have recommended, which are the books that we've been choosing, choosing from, um, and then voting on you know which one we'd like to read. And they've all just been so good. I mean, there have only been two, but I'm confident the rest that we read are going to be fun. If you would like to participate in the book club, 
um, head over to Patreon. We will be doing more uh, if you're not feeling like you can read Belonging in the next week or so. Um, feel free to join next time. However, additionally, um, other perks that you receive when you become a patron, um, I have these exclusive WhatsApp group chats. Uh, there are three of them so far. The third one is about halfway full, and this is an opportunity to basically commiserate with your fellow listeners, um, get to know each other more, especially if you're feeling kind of alone and isolated and as if there are no other people like you or that you'll never find a community that you feel welcomed into. I promise you that by becoming a patron and uh, joining one of these WhatsApp chats, that belief will be proven wrong very, very quickly. Uh, it's been such a gift to watch you all get to know each other, to meet in person. It's been such a gift to learn more about who you are just on my end, to see who's out there, who's listening. Um, this is a very sort of back and forth uh, value cycle. I don't know how to describe it, but um, I know it seems as if I'm providing a service to all of you, but honestly, I feel like the service that you're providing to me in terms of making me feel more like I belong and more like what I'm doing is meaningful to you guys is, um, yeah, it's priceless. It's, it's amazing. So thank you. Uh, lots of other perks on Patreon as well, playlists, t-shirts, etc. So if you'd like to support the podcast and you have a few extra dollars to spare per month, um, patreon.com slash Anya Kotz. Uh, you can also go into iTunes, hit subscribe, leave a review and some stars, I currently have a no-joke um, lady who calls herself Yogini Karen, who, like, every four months updates her uh, review on my podcast, um, saying how shitty it is. I'm not really sure why she can't just stick to her original review and move on. The fact that she hates my podcast so much that maybe she continues to listen <laughs> and updates her review to see how, to say how shitty it is. Um is is just bizarre. Um, so if you'd like to uh, drown out the, uh, the the Yogini Karens of the world, I'd highly recommend heading to iTunes and leaving a more positive review of the podcast, um, or at least just leaving one bad review and leaving it at that, not actually harassing me. I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't know you could leave a review and then go in later and update it. So it's like always very current. Anyway, Karen, if you're listening... I don't know why you're listening because it seems like you really hate my podcast, but please move on. Stop harassing me. There are better things to do. Um, what else? I am going to play you in today with a song called Making Do by Lake Street Drive. This was sent to me by a listener. I forget who you are. I forget through what medium you contacted me, but certainly very appropriate for the podcast, very appropriate for this episode. So enjoy that and thank you whoever you were for sending it. I appreciate it. I always love hearing from you all, whether it's to send a song or ask a question um, or to give some feedback on podcasts. Speaking of feedback, if you listen to last the last episode that I did with my friends, Eliza, Jasmine, and Kestrel, um, I've been looking into maybe including some more episodes about astrology on the podcast. So I'm curious what you all feel about that. Um, I don't want to overwhelm you all with episodes about astrology. I know that's a kind of niche thing, um, but I've also uh, gotten a lot of emails from you all who are really interested in learning more. So I'm curious what you think, what might be valuable to you. Um, I'd like to offer it to as many people as possible, so not necessarily just have it be a, a perk on Patreon, but we'll see. Um, this is a very collaborative 
process. So please always reach out with any kind of feedback or question or um, criticism or any of that. It's just great to to meet all of you and to hear more about what you're thinking and how you're doing. So enjoy the song. Uh, enjoy this podcast episode with Fanula, and I will catch you on the other end. To the next generation, Merry Christmas. You're working harder than ever now in the coffee sex. It's on. You're on. Yeah. So, welcome, Fanula. 
you are officially the youngest guest on the podcast. Is that like a cool thing? I don't know. To be the youngest? Maybe. <laughs> so I feel like, are you still at the age where it's like, you wish you were older? I mean, yes, but that's, I feel like that's a normal thing for most yeah. teenagers. Just like, and then, you know, there's like times when I'm like, oh, I wish I was like five years old and didn't have to do algebra <laughs> two homework right now. But like, I feel like there's a general just like wanting to be able to like do things and like just have some independence you know? yeah like make your own make decisions. decisions yeah definitely yeah i think people i wonder when it'll change like i still get carded all the time which makes sense because i look <laughs> pretty young i don't think like my image has changed since i was like 18 years old um but there's probably going to be a day where i'm not carded and i'm like shit you know but yeah. but still i i I feel like I wish I looked older. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have like, they're like different opinions on like how they feel about aging or like, like, cause there's obviously like people who like want to stay young for a really long time. Like, right. you know, like a kid. And then there's people who kind of like want to be adults and just be able to make their own decisions. And right. some people want both. <laughs> some people want it all. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really appreciative that you are willing to talk to me. We were hanging out last night yeah, and you were saying a lot of interesting things and it's, yeah. I feel like I've, I mean, finally, I feel like I'm an adult ish, but like, I'm no longer the youngest person in the room or yeah. at the party or, so it was always like, I yeah. was the one who was the young person with the opinions. But now that I, there's people below me that are like actual humans that have opinions <laughs> yeah. and personalities. Yeah. I feel like that's like a thing that a lot of people experience of like, when the people who were like like even people who were like little kids when you were like 12 like going into middle school it's weird when they get to that point and you're like you're you no know, like you're about to apply to college and all of that stuff right. like I experienced that seeing my neighbor who's like just started sixth grade and <laughs> I was like I started sixth grade and you were tiny and yeah. now I'm <laughs> um a sophomore in high school and yeah. you're that right right well, I also had the experience of like, let's say at a counselor in camp or something. And I was maybe like 12 and they were 20 and I, to me, they seemed so old. They seemed, yeah. And, but yeah. then I got to 20 and they still seemed like, oh no, they had to have been older yeah. when they were 20. Well, I so feel weird. like, like you experienced that. Like, I feel like freshmen in high school look a lot young. Like that was last year for me, but right. like the kids that I see who are going into freshman year, I'm like, you are so much younger than I was. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> at the same age yeah well i guess let's start i'm interested to hear this is i think how we started talking yesterday i feel like first of all i feel like when people think of millennials they just think it's like every young person ever they don't realize that yeah. it's i feel like well like yeah a lot of older people will just be like we'll lump gen z and millennials together and right. then like I feel like there's a lot of push with millennials to be like, no, we're not like, like we're the young generation, but like, they're not humans yet. And then there's a lot of push from Gen Z to be like, no, we are here. Yeah. We but, exist. Yeah. We're not just lumped in. So we get blamed for your problems too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's interesting. I was thinking about this this morning, how a big reason I started the podcast is that because I thought, or I was fed up with like the stereotypes about millennials mm -hmm. and those stereotypes I felt like were being um, 
they were coming from adults. Like the adults were the ones yeah. who had the ideas. And it was interesting to hear you talk about millennials yesterday because I felt like <laughs> I was like, oh, great! Now it's coming at us from both ends. Like yeah, younger no, ones think are ridiculous is. too. Um, so what is your like? What I mean, obviously, you can't speak for everyone your age, no. but in your experience, what are when you think about people my age, millennials? What are your? I mean, I think like from a young age, we've kind of been like lumped in with a lot of millennials because like even when a lot of us were being born, they hadn't like ended, they hadn't decided the generation markers. Right. So there were definitely people who like wanted to like, who kind of felt like they worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like this is confusing, but then there's a lot of stuff that like, like we weren't alive when those things happened or, you know, mm. these things started happening that millennials have done that kind of get blamed on Gen Z for being like, oh, you're like this, you're like this, Can you're you like this. Can you give some examples? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, the whole like, oh, like they were, because like you got, like millennials got technology bef like mm -hmm. at a pretty young age. Gen Z got technology a lot earlier, <laughs> but like we will be like told like, oh, well, like you do this, this and this online and you're all like this and like mm -hmm. just like there are things that like didn't ha happen when i could like consciously remember them like shows that right i don't remember being on the air and people are like oh yeah that's such a like kids your age must know that i'm like no that's right and it's a, the technology thing is interesting because i remember like also, not having it but yeah. you don't and it's as no, if no i do remember not having it but that's yeah. mostly because i had kind of parents who sheltered right. me like it, i didn't have a phone for a really long time <laughs> i had access to like the television in my living room but even that wasn't like yeah a modern television until i was like 10 yeah like it was a box like yeah a, i had the same yeah. we didn't watch a ton of tv the tv yeah. was like in the living room yeah i think there's also a lot of difference between the oldest people in my generation and the youngest people in my mm -hmm. generation because, like, there are kids who are born now who, like, the iPad parents them. Like, my friend and her little sister are a great example of this because they're technically in the same, same generation, but she grew up, like, not really having phone access or any of that technology, kind of like she would watch cartoons on the TV on Saturday or, like, in the morning when they were going to take her to preschool. But mm -hmm. then, like, her little sister has an iPad and, like, plays video games when right. she's, you know, when yeah she needs to be occupied. <clears throat> right. So from your perspective, mm -hmm. you said something last night about how, like, millennials talk a big game. Basically. Yes, yes, <laughs> Can you I did say that. that. <laughs> so I feel like... Like, Twitter is a great example of this. Because mm. Twitter and is, like, an app that I consider to be, like, a very... Like, yes, there are young people, like, people my age. Millennials are still young. But, like, yeah. there aren't a lot of teenagers who are, like, actively on Twitter. A lot of the people on Twitter are millennials. And I think a lot of the stuff that started there of, like, like Twitter activism, that kind of, like, mm -hmm. where people would talk a big game, call people out on that stuff, and then kind of wouldn't except when they made a mistake mm -hmm. or kind of do it in a performative way where it was like posting f that stuff for the sake of seeming like woke or whatever versus trying to make legislative change because mm -hmm. like we get told that we're the generation that was supposed to deal with all the problems but millennials got told that too and we're yeah. like um like you're still young you should you can deal with these problems too like you right. can make change it's not just up to us now because we're right. Well, and it might, it must be interesting too, because like I was, 
I mean, bad shit has gone on for a long time, right? Yeah. Throughout all generations. But I was mm, 11, 12 when 9-11 happened. And I feel like that was a definite marker of like, yeah. okay, well, things suck. Yeah. Um, but for, and, and I guess relating to your Twitter activism comment, I wonder if because my generation maybe sensed like, a before and after, like we were able to live in this lie that everything was great and our parents yeah. knew what they were talking about, but you guys came into the world and it was like already pretty yeah. supremely fucked. <laughs> yes. I kind of like to sort of expand upon that, I yeah. guess, like if you think about it, like for a good portion of your childhood before 9-11 happened, it felt like nothing bad could happen in America because the right. bad things that were happening were kind of not to this large scale and they were kind of hidden or they were happening in other countries. Mm -hmm. But like for us, there's always been like, Oh yeah, this happened. Like I don't remember a world. Like I wasn't even born when that, right. When nine eleven. It was, yeah, you were born it a few happened years like later. three years before yeah. I was born. Yeah. So like for me, that's always been a significant date on the calendar. We've always talked about like war and terrorism mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So it's kind of like we had less time where the world was, like, perfect. Where, like, oh, bad things don't happen in America. Because, like, we had this very real thing every year right. that was, like, something really bad happened this yeah. day. Like, this was terrible. Yeah, you know? I, I, yeah, totally know. And I wonder, too, I remember before I was old enough to vote, um, mm -hmm. like Bush got elected twice. And that was horrible. But I don't ever remember thinking, like, oh, I wish I could vote or I wish my generation could vote because I feel like we would make yeah. smarter choices. But I feel like that might be different for your do – your, do you feel like your generation is, like, frustrated? Definitely. Be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Go think, on. I mean, I know a lot of people that are very frustrated – at the system. Also, a lot of people who are very frustrated at the low voter turnout of right. millennials and kind of are like, why aren't, like, you can vote. We can't. Like, why are we being told to fix problems when no one will listen to us because we're all, like, like, the oldest ones, the oldest Gen Zs can vote, but they're, like, 21, yeah, yeah. 24, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's the oldest one. But, like, like, why isn't, why can't we be a part of this, like, right. you know, because it's going to affect you. Yeah. Obviously. Cause like, like it's still like, even though, even though there's a lot of like difference between like your ability to like make decisions. And I totally understand that, but like, it does still impact mm -hmm. our futures and our like experiences because like, like legislative change is important yeah. and like, yeah, we don't have to be able to vote, but we should at least like have some sort of way to be like, Hey, can you fix this please? Do you think, do you feel like you or your generation, do you guys have hope in the system itself? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a ton of hope in it just cause like, I kind of see a lot of the time that like even people who want to like reform the system don't think it through. Cause mm -hmm. you think about it like, there are a lot of systems that are in place that were put in place for the reason of like some sort of discriminatory practice or mm -hmm. had some sort of bad intent in them. And it's like, there are some things that like we can agree are bad and then just try to try to make something different. Like, of course that's probably going to happen through like a series of like amend amendments to mm -hmm. whatever you're talking about. Yeah. But like, I think there's a huge problem with, like, a lot of people thinking, like, no, we can just, like, slap a few new regulations on this and make it all okay. And people being like, no, we might need to rethink some stuff. Right. 
like, big things. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wonder if, though, part of my generation's low voter turnout, I mean, I also don't understand why everyone yeah. doesn't vote. I mean, I mean, I understand why some people are, like, kept from voting. Yeah, um, obviously. But not, like, privileged like, issue, white but, like, millennials. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if part of it's just disillusionment in general, that, that just, like, the system is broken. So yeah. why am I going out and, like, pushing buttons and pretending, like, that's going to yeah, change I it? I think that that is definitely a thing that affects both generations. I just think that, like, it affects them very differently. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like... Like, I don't know how to put this, but like a lot of there are a lot of millennials who believe in system reform and believe mm-hmm. that we can fix things. But then when it comes to voting in change, then it becomes a lot more difficult because mm-hmm. nothing either nothing is a big enough reform or or like it just seems like it's too big. You know, right. like it's like things are obviously going to change. But I think like there's definitely like a weird like oh this won't matter and then there's people who just don't care right you know right there's there's two sides of that <laughs> um do you how did this pandemic affect your view about the world and how uh, things work i have very little faith in other people's decency like to protect <laughs> their neighbors yeah just with the amount of people that i've seen being like i don't want to wear a mask it's an infringement on my freedom. It's like my best friend has asthma. If you yeah. think that I'm not going to be wearing like four, like if I thought that wearing 10 face masks at once would like help my, my like friends and like people who were like high risk, I would do it because that's just like a being a good person. Yeah. But then I mean like, like obviously politicians, that's a whole nother mess. I, it makes me sad when I like see all the people being like, no, let's like downplay it. Cause like the good of the many, but it's like, there are men like the nature of this virus is like dangerous. Like it's killed a lot of people, and I feel like you see um, people in positions of privilege and power kind of disregarding the loss of life mm-hmm. in this major way because they can mm-hmm. because it's easier to hide. Do you think young people? I mean, I even wonder this about my generation. Like young people in general are more reasonable about this than. I mean, it depends. There are definitely people that are like, I'm young and I'm invincible. Nothing bad can ever happen to me. And then there are people who are like, no, bad things can happen to you. You just haven't experienced them yet. So there's, there's people who kind of have been forced to grow up a little bit right now and realize that like the world is bigger than just them. And then there are people that are kind of still in denial. Right. Yeah. And do you think that this experience for you because I talk about this on my podcast, mm-hmm. just sort of like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, whether what effect this virus is having on young people, especially like, OK, now you're not in school. Like now you sort of see the world changing in all these really big yeah. ways. Like, does it do you feel like the world you thought you were living in is maybe not the world that you were? Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like. Because this whole thing, like, I keep follow the news in New Zealand because, like, my mom and, like, I'm a citizen there. Mm-hmm. And, like, they dealt with it much better. Like, yes, there are a little resurgence of it, like, coming back. But, like, people are really strictly, like, their government objectively handled it a lot better than ours. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of what a lot of people I know are experiencing is, like, like, 
every single year in history, they're like, the United States is the best country and everywhere else doesn't have freedom. We're the only country with freedom. And you're like, yeah, but all of these other countries that are free, like, don't have this many people dead and, like, didn't open up earlier because they knew. Like, and I think for a lot of people, it's kind of shattered their idea that, like, the government has their best interests because, like... Yeah. Well, I wonder how can you experience that when... They're just trying to open the economy for money when, like, right. you know. Yeah, and I wonder if social media has actually helped younger generations have a more broad, comprehensive understanding of the world. Yeah. So it's not just, like, you go to school, you get a textbook about American history, and that's kind of the only yeah. information. Yeah. You guys must be in school learning from materials and sort of yeah. know, like, this isn't the whole story. Yeah. Well, like, in my English class... Like, we read books. We read Just Mercy, which is, Mm -hmm. like, about... um, It kind of pertains to, like, a lot of stuff that's happening now, but with, like, Black Lives Matter and all of those other sort of things that we are discussing as a country. Mm -hmm. And my teacher, who she's my English teacher. She doesn't have to teach us history, but she's done a pretty good job at explaining the context of what ways people have been discriminated against once, like, you know, slavery ended Mm -hmm. and people were avoided afforded the right to vote she's like there's all of this other stuff that exists that like we're unaware of and like we're less aware of and we're becoming aware of it now but it's like a lot of people want to deny that that stuff has existed all the time because they feel like it can't in right in their like perfect world yeah and it sounds like you've gone to pretty good schools who are teaching yeah yeah i mean it depends like Because there are certain schools where, like, you'll get a pretty comprehensive understanding of history, but you don't get how it pertains to today. And people Mm -hmm. don't fill in that last little bit of, like, knowledge that you need. Like, usually, if you're learning American history, you stop at, like, 1960, 1970. (laughs) They don't talk about a lot of stuff that happened after that. But even the representation of what happened up to 1960 is... I mean, and I remember... Like, I remember learning that stuff in school, and then later, when I got older, was like, oh, wow, that was not true. Like, like, okay, I'll read the People's History of the United States now. Like, now I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> like, now I yeah, understand. I read that in one of my classes. Yeah, which was not a thing that, I mean, yeah. maybe in some schools, but not in the schools that I was going to, which were just, like, general public schools. But I yeah. wonder now how many young people are being fed this information and knowingly in real time are like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, why am I here I mean, and wasting like, my time? The inf- I feel like at my schools, it depends like what history did you have. It all depends yeah. on like what you're learning because everything is a little bit Western centric. Everything is a little yeah. bit like centered around America. I took world history and it was like, let's talk about another continent. Now Europe, yeah. Europe and more Europe. Yeah. And it was like, like there was a whole unit on the Renaissance and Reformation. And then they lump like all of Asia together to talk right. about like th- for like a thousand years of history. And you're like, excuse me? Like, so I think a lot of the way that we're taught stuff, like in terms of like where we're living now, yes, we like get a broad understanding, but it also depends where you're going to school. Like right. I go to school and it really like, like I go, the public schools around me are nice, like, and the area is pretty, like, progressive, but, like, there are people who, like, go to school in Texas who got taught, who literally in their textbook, someone sent me a picture of this, it called, like, people who are brought over by the 
the the ship. I forget what it's called. The transatlantic. Oh, the the slave trade. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. They literally describe them as agricultural workers in that textbook. Wow. Agricultural oh, yeah. workers, really? Like, because. And so this was someone. This is a friend of yours who. Yeah. Yeah. So she. Yeah. He, uh, like, I guess that's what I'm saying. So, like, in real time, reading the school book, which is supposed to be, you know, like, the height of information yeah. teaching you, and reading it and being like, this is bullshit. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people experience that when they, yeah. when they sort of wake up to, the, like, oh, this book is written in a, like, very comfortable way, in a way yeah. that makes it, these things easier to talk about. And I think there's a lot of sugarcoating that goes on in yeah. the way that we learn things. But I do think that might be not you know, that it's never happened before, but I think a lot more prominent and unique to your generation. To, like, like wake up to the sugar coating? Yes, bef- like, <laughs> yes. Yes, in real time, you know, um, you sort of, and I guess that was my question, too, about the pandemic, like, you know, for me as well, for a while, I thought, oh, okay, what my parents say, what the older people say, like, you do this, and you get this job, and you do that, and, and mm-hmm. even I grew up in a relatively unconventional family who was like, do whatever you want, like, it's yeah. fine. Um but it just must be weird to sort of feel like, I mean, maybe all kids feel like they know better, but to sort of have this perspective of how much bullshit there is. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that must be a strange, because you are young and yet you probably have a much more well-rounded perspective of like the hypocrisy of the yeah. world. I mean, like, cause it's so easy to see the news. Like you're gonna, right. you're gonna hear about <laughs> politics and all of that stuff, like, if you open your phone any day of the week, you're probably going to see something about mm-hmm. it. And I think a lot of people kind of wake up to that stuff and kind of are experiencing, like, oh, the adults don't always know what they're doing because they're just figuring out as they go as well. Because, mm-hmm. like, as much knowledge as you have, like, we're getting thrown curveballs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Does that make, I mean, I know you said there's a lot of frustration. Um, and I remember last night we were talking about like emotional health <laughs> as yes. well. Um, do you feel like you have had to kind of as a generation or at least in your own experience, um, like you're not being taught necessarily how to like maintain mental sanity and health. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have more outlets at school and, like, people to talk to. Mm -hmm. But there's also a huge push to kind of just, like, oh, yeah, you might be having bad mental health, but it shouldn't interfere with, like, your studies and it shouldn't interfere with the rest of your life. And I think that a lot of people are kind of experiencing, like, like, especially now, a lot of people are experiencing, like, it is so much harder to maintain emotional health when you don't, you are having trouble maintaining your connections with your friends and like, you know, online school only makes it worse, Yeah, you know, cause you're sitting around all the time. It's hard to kind of find the good things. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that was a surprise cause it, one, one hand it's like, Oh great. We don't have to go to school, but it sounds like you would prefer. Yeah. That. Well, because like I still have tests, I still have homework yeah, I have my classes less often. Like, I only have three per day. But, like, mm-hmm. it kind of just seems like it would be easier in the long run to just be in school because you have the chance to communicate with your classmates while learning instead of just, like, reading, reciting, reading, hearing your teacher explain it, having a brief discussion, and then being on your own. Yeah. Do you feel like it's made your, like, the importance of friends and community more 
prominent than before. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's always been a thing that's been kind of prominent. Like, you know, I I like being around people. Like, yeah. it's nice. But I think definitely it kind of brought a lot of people to the fact that, like, you enjoy a lot more of school than you think you do. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we all hate school. None of us, like, no one's like, oh, yeah, this is the best thing ever. But, like, you do have a chance to kind of, like, be out of your house and doing work somewhere else and, like, mm-hmm. meeting people. But you don't have that anymore. Right. Do you feel like this experience or just in general there are things that are, like, the normal life things that most people do go to school go to college get married like do you feel like there are some big things that you're like i'm not gonna do that i don't I mean do that. kind of like i think there's a lot of things that people are like oh like yeah this can be like a norm but like it's not for everyone like mm-hmm. there are definitely a lot of people who like have woken up to the idea of like oh you don't need to go to school and pick the reasonable job like you can do what you love and like I mean, the biggest thing that I kind of find annoying is the fact that most people define someone else's success based on how much money they make. And I'm always like, I know that there are like jobs that I could go for. I could go to college. I could get a degree in this. And I'd have a pretty stable income from Mm -hmm. that job. But like, it doesn't sound that fun. It doesn't sound enjoyable. Like, why would you want to like do that just to be successful when you could maybe make less, but do something you actually cared about? Right. You know, like that's a big thing that I'm just kind of like, why, why did everyone else just decide that they had to, they had to just settle into things they didn't like to make money. Right. Like maybe that's a, I, that does also come from the fact that like, that does also come from privilege a little bit of like being able to be like, oh, I could try this. But I also think that there's a lot of like the way we are defining success. That's weird. Like, like I have a friend and she's a musician and Mm -hmm. Like, she does art. She draws and makes music and plays her guitar and stuff. And a lot of people will be like, oh, like, you can't make money doing that. And she's like, well, I, I can make enough. Like, I I have, like, enough that I could do that. It's just, yeah. like, it's you, just a different path. Do you feel like there's – I feel like part of what happened to my generation is that older people classified us as, like, lazy. Which yes. I think – was less laziness and more like, so you went and you got this degree and spent a ton of money and went into a ton of debt and worked at this job 40 or 50 hours a week (laughs) and were miserable and did everything you were told to do. And now you have, you know, no retirement and you're miserable. Why would I do that? Like the exchange here doesn't make sense. I'm not going to put all of my life into something that doesn't give my, give something back to me. So I think we were often called lazy and ungrateful because what we were really doing was just questioning the premise of the whole thing. Well, I think millennials have a lot of, like as a generation, they have a lot of college debt, like a lot of debt in a different way than like the baby boomers or Gen X have to kind of like where they were experiencing like, Oh, like, you know, things are expensive. Things are difficult. And a lot of the stuff that like was supposed to be accessible was becoming less accessible and like like obviously getting a degree and like finding something stable you can do is like an important part of life like Mm. there will always be people who that's how they're gonna thrive is by finding that one job that they really can do well and then doing that Mm -hmm. but I think that there's a lot of like 
kind of a push to be like, well, why do you have to like just decide you're going to be one thing when you're 18 years old and then never change your mind and then just do that forever? Yeah. Like, why is that the only way you can be like successful? Right. Right. And I wonder, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you do either. If it feels like there's less because of all of that flack that millennials got of like, you're lazy, you're (laughs) ungrateful, blah, blah, all this pressure, I think from our parents who are all basically baby boomers. Um, or a little bit younger than that. Um, you know, we felt like guilted into doing the kind of conventional thing. And I wonder if like, I hope as, you know, younger generations get older, that that pressure is alleviated a little bit, or you guys feel a little bit more able to make unique. I think that the pressure still exists, Mm -hmm. but I think that like slowly the world is kind of changing to understand that. So like, even if you do, go for the traditional route, which Mm -hmm. is totally fine. Like, you know, people will always enjoy, you know, just having that kind of stability. But Mm -hmm. like, as long as you understand that, like, there are different definitions of success and you teach people that like they can try things and be bad at them and that's okay. And you can learn from your mistakes. That's important. But like, we also have a lot of pressure on ourselves to get into college from like a very young age. People are like, you have to have like a 4.9 GPA and take 13 AP classes and have no social life. And that's the only way that you're going to go to a good college and get a good job and be Mm -hmm. successful. And I think that like, you know, people just need a lot of our generation is like, you can try something and like be bad at it. Like that's okay. Mm. That's kind of like an important takeaway that I think is lost on some older generations, just not something that they were taught. Do you guys, do you feel like you guys really like support each other too, in terms of what you're saying about different, um, forms of success or like emotional stability? Do you feel like there's like this communal, like (laughs) they don't know what they're talking about. So let's take care (laughs) of each other kind of a vibe. I feel like within like friends with, within friend groups and within like I mean, at least with my friends, like we talk about our emotions a fair amount. We'll Mm -hmm. like help support each other or be distractions to that kind of difficulty. But there's also like a lot of difficult things that we deal with in terms of like school and life and stuff. People are willing, like your friends are going to be willing to be there for you Mm -hmm. and kind of like encourage you or help you. And so, yes, there's a sort of community around that kind of stuff. But it also kind of depends because sometimes people are in a weird competition of like stress, like I'm more stressed than you. So, you know, right. So like take pity on me or like my, yeah, my trauma is worse than yours. Yeah. 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 That's, do you feel like my generation is very big into this whole thing now? Like, okay, we just need to uh, buy a bunch of land and live together and support each other. Does your generation talk about that? <laughs> I mean, I joke about forming a commune yeah. all the time. <laughs> good to, good like to hear. as a very normal th- thing that I would bring up in conversation, be yeah. like, guys, what if we just like, b- like bought this house that was like in this movie? Like if we all, if we find like 50 people and we all chip in this much money, yeah. it's not going to be that expensive. We could buy the house in cash if we wanted to. Yeah. Like, but I think that a lot of those things do still feel like very fanciful to people right. like, oh, this is a thing that like I wish could happen, but it's probably not going to. Mm. I wonder if that'll change, though, the more yeah. disillusioned <laughs> your generation becomes. I think it, I think it definitely depends. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, it depends on how things work out. 
Because at the moment, it still feels very much like, like we you said at the beginning, it's not like you're making all of the choices as no. to how you live your no. life. You still have parents. Yeah. <laughs> We're still, like, in terms of my generation is still very, like, young. Yeah. Like, there are plenty of people who, like, aren't aware of a lot of the, that stuff and are kind of, like, just listening to their parents and listening to the adults and trying to base their opinions off of that. Like, right. those people exist right. in a very prominent way, but a lot of people are, like, using their voices a lot more, I guess. Yeah. Do you feel like you know what you want to do after high school? Not really. Like, I know that I probably want to go to seek out some form of higher education, but I don't know what I want to study exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. Do you feel like here's another iteration of that question that I asked someone else recently? Like, if, let's say, you did buy a house just now Mm -hmm. with all your friends (laughs) and you were living all together. and Like a commune. Like a commune. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And everyone had to, like, play a role, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, maybe someone was cooking. Maybe someone was taking care of the kids. Maybe someone was, like, entertaining the group. I don't like the idea of having children. But, (laughs) yeah. Well, no, that's not your thing. But, like, so do you feel like in that context, do you feel like you know know kind of what role you might play? Um, I know. I think I know. I know what I'd want to do, but I also know, like, what I'd be good at. You know what I mean? Okay, what are they? Like... A lot of what I'm good at is, like, organizing ways for people to, like, get along and just kind of, like, be like, okay, this yeah. is... You're, like, the group therapist. Yes. Yeah. Often. <laughs> um, I think kind of, like, getting... I don't know how to describe this, but, like, just kind of creating, like, a space where, like, things work. Like, I'm good at planning things, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a person who, like, plans a lot of the things that I do or, like... You know, when I'm experiencing my life a lot of the time, it's not like a rigid plan, but I feel like just creating kind of like loose guidelines of like, we could do this, this could work to kind of like, like, I guess like creating a simple structure that kind Mm -hmm. of just makes it all work and then helping out. So that's the thing you want to do or that's the thing you think you're good at? That's the thing I'd be thinking I'd be good at. Like, I kind of know how to do that just from like, I don't know. And does that make you feel... Is that the thing you'd want to do, too? Kind you, of. Yeah. Sometimes, like... Like, because most of the things that I, like, really enjoy are not things that, like, necessarily would be useful in, like, a, like, in, like, a community like that. Like, I really like music, and I yeah. like art and stuff, and I like making those things, like, that kind of stuff. So, like, I feel like the planning stuff kind of combines that of, like, oh, mm. we could make, like, a thing where, like, oh, let's all, like, play the guitar and you know, talk to each other or let's like do this. So like that kind of combines those things that I like to do and like brings other people into them. But like I, a lot of the stuff that like I know that I enjoy, I don't really know what I want to do with that. Right. You know, totally. And I don't even think I do. I mean, or it's just ever evolving. You know, my whole thing is like, okay, podcasting like that interests me right now I really want to do that I have things to say do I think I'm going to have a podcast for the rest of my life like that's going to be my thing no but at the moment like that's like a step you know in the right direction well definitely like being able to do things on the road to like even if it doesn't lead to like some gigantic thing in the future even if there's just like little things you do that like further your interest Mm -hmm. and you know are enjoyable like that's yeah that's the best way to go just 
do things here and there. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Not worry about it. I mean, that's a big thing too. I think that people when they're young, probably pressured by older people, they think that it's like the path is this straight path. Well, they worry a lot. I worry a lot. Like you kind of get used to it. And especially now, I think a lot of things feel kind of uncertain. Like a lot of industries are changing because of, you know, everything that's going on. Yeah. So just that's kind of a thing that people are aware of. Well, I'm curious to hear specifically more like what you are worried about, but your story about living in a house and what you would do reminded (laughs) me. So my dad, uh, is the artistic director of a theater. Mm -hmm. So he's been in theater his entire life. And we'd always have this joke or he'd make this joke of like, you know, it would kind of suck if we were just like stranded on a desert Island. Like what's my skill to bring to the table? Like (laughs) I produce shows like, okay, you're not useful, but I actually think obviously like if we didn't have music, if we didn't have art, if we didn't have pretty things and beautiful things to spend our time with, we'd probably be a lot more miserable. Yeah. So that desire to make art or to, do art with other people is actually probably pretty just as vital as cooking the food is. You yeah. Know? But that's, and that's yeah. just like a cultural issue that we think it isn't. Yeah. I think it's kind of the way that we like, again, it's the way we define success. A lot of the times we define success by money. And so the things that we see as like less lucrative mm-hmm. are deemed as less important mm-hmm. when they're just as important. They're just not the same kind of, so they don't like support capitalism. Yes. That's kind of it. I didn't, I wasn't going to say that. That's a complicated topic. Um, but okay. I mean, I'm down to talk about it, but I also want to know when you said like, we worry a lot or I'm worried. I don't know. Just like, I think we've been told like the world was supposed to end in 2012. I don't know if any, like you remember that, but like there were definitely people who were like, the world is going to end tomorrow. And I was like in second grade and I was like, okay, I'm, I don't care. Yeah. Like I'm a child, but then there's a lot of that, like climate change is going to become irreversible in like 12 years. And like, all of these issues are like your job. You figure it out now. And we're like, we're nowhere near being able to like be in positions of power. We're, still kids like a lot of our childhood was defined by people being like you're gonna have to deal with this thing and it's like you are still an adult who can make more change than i can for sure why is it my responsibility when i'm like i was told that from i was like 12 years old the first time that i became aware that people were like saying that i'm like i'm 12 you're like you know you're an adult (laughs) you can vote you can make change why aren't you doing it right yeah i've had that same reaction um where, like, people in my parents' age are like, well, I feel kind of guilty because I'm just going to be dead and I'm not going to be here. It's like, but you're still, like, a living, no, breathing like, you human. You can make change right <laughs> yeah. now. It's not yeah. like once you turn 40, like, yeah, your ability to make change is gone. You can still yeah. do it. Yeah. Do you feel like your ability to kind of enjoy your childhood and your youth has been sort of, like, robbed because of all these serious issues that you have eh, to, like, worry about? I'm good at compartmentalizing because <laughs> of that, but... Like, I had a pretty, like, my childhood was good. Like, I enjoyed a lot of that. I wasn't, like, thinking that, you know, everything was going to be gone one day. Yeah. But, like, I think, like, right now it's a a weird time to, like, be 16. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, a lot of the things that, not, like, normal people, but, like, 
that people who didn't have a pandemic when they were like experiencing being like a young adult had like a lot of us aren't going to have that for a while or like even just traditional high school experiences you know a lot of people are graduating in a pandemic and you know yeah. they don't even get to have prom or hug their friends they just they just go and they graduate yeah. so yeah we'll see how it goes yeah i'm pretty optimistic but like you know sometimes it's difficult are you optimistic in general or because you feel like uh, the younger people will get it together um, and not just your generation necessarily but people I, who are a bit older than I'm you. optimistic just because I feel like it's kind of depressing if you don't <laughs> yeah. if you don't have some level of optimism like like things won't ever be enough if yeah. you don't like if you don't think things are going to get better then how are you then what like what's the point of trying if you don't think things are going to get it better like if you want to change things you have to be a little bit optimistic yeah i was a little bit less optimistic because of ruth bader ginsburg Ugh. but that's a story for another time it's <laughs> a very depressing day. yes um yeah well i think that's part of like the the issue that i feel like i find with people who are older too it and it's not either they just don't think they can do anything. They're going to be dead. So why bother? Or just a lot more comfort being like, we're fucked. Whereas for me, I don't like, have comfort from that. Yeah. Either. Well, right. And, and I, what am I supposed to do? Like I have my whole life ahead of me. Yeah. If I just said we're fucked and was complacent, like why even bother doing anything to yeah. me? I mean, part of this podcast too is like, okay, so things are pretty messed up right now. <laughs> like how do we find meaning or yeah. live our lives within this context? Well, I think like, like, giving up is kind of a stupid thing to do. Like, because if you give up and you're like, oh, it's, it won't matter anyways. Like, we're all going to die. It's like, yeah, that kind of happens to everyone. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you can't do something now. It doesn't mean you can't try to benefit people in the future. Because, like, it just shows sh short-sightedness when people are like, it'll be over by the end of my lifetime. Or, like, I won't experience the worst of it. It's like, just, it's not like... It's not like any of the things that people are trying to, like, change are going to ruin your experience now. Yeah. They're probably going to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Do you feel like, I think we mentioned this last night a little bit, or even mm -hmm. today, about the whole systemic change thing. Do you mm -hmm. feel like there are people, I mean, it's such a stupid, it's like here I am being the adult of like, oh, the younger, pe younger people will figure it out. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder how bad this has to get before... I don't know because it's gotten <laughs> way worse bad. than we thought it was going to be. Like yeah. in my class, we have talked about systemic racism every single year, but like it takes someone like it takes you watching someone get murdered, like a video of someone dying right. to like wake up to that. Right. And like there is a sense of like people kind of forgetting about stuff that doesn't affect them. But like. There's a lot of stuff that I feel like people have talked about from a very young age yeah. where it's like you can't care about climate change because the beaches are dirty. You can care about climate change and like pollution when the beaches are dirty near you. But when I tell you that there's like the Pacific garbage patch is the size of France now, right. that's like uh, it doesn't affect me. Right. Well, yeah. and I just wonder, too, like I think about my mother's generation she was mm -hmm. you know in her 20s like when vietnam was happening and they were like all out in the streets and like passionate and doing yeah. things and where did I, that go yeah i worry about that <laughs> not i mean my generation for sure i don't know if it's social media i don't know what the complacency is but and i don't want things to keep getting worse but at the same time it's like if things don't get worse and people don't fight back yeah then i don't know what we're doing well i think 
a lot of like even the kind of performative virtue signaling that like happens on social media, mm-hmm. like at least you're trying to be a part of it when you're doing that. Maybe you're not. Maybe some people are doing it for the sake of like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, there's a huge effort to like be part of it and try to listen. But I think that like some of these issues are bigger than we are ever going to be. Yeah. So like, and listen to the people that are immediately affecting. It shouldn't take. Like, why does it take someone who's, like, Instagram famous or a celebrity to be like, I care about this issue for people to want to care about it? Because, mm-hmm. like, there are a lot of celebrities who use their platforms for great things. At the same time, why can't you listen to scientists before you listen to, like, a pop singer? Like, right. s- like they've been telling you this for years. It right. shouldn't take a popular culture thing to happen for right. everyone to be like, oh, we need to change this. Yeah, the virtue signaling thing is interesting because I get really frustrated by people just like that post black squares and things. Yes. Not only, I'm actually more angry at the people who criticize people for not posting the black squares than the people that post them. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Well, like, I had a black square up for like that day and like I took yeah. it down after a while because like kind of seemed like, th- like, because part of how social media works is your timeline is linear so like everything that's getting posted if someone was posting actual information it could have gotten lost right and i think like yeah go ahead like you can do that because like those displays can be important but also understand that there's a whole lot of other stuff that has to happen after you post that like if you post the black square and you're not shouting out petitions on your story and you're not actively participating or trying to educate yourself mm-hmm. then it's just completely performative but there are right. plenty of people who probably didn't post the squares who have been reading right. and learning and signing petitions right. and like been very aware of this right. stuff so there's like two sides of it like yeah you can have a demonstration like that on social media considering we can't have in-person protests. But, like, there's other stuff that has to happen right. that's in not the, the only. Meantime. Yeah, that's what frustrates me is, like, that is, I think, a valid strategy to enact change, but it's one of many. Yes. You know, and, like, the people that don't... Yeah, I saw something, I don't know if you saw it going around, but it was something about, like, what's your role in, like, a social change uh-huh. ecosystem? It's, like, they're storytellers, and they're, like, motivators, and they're organizers, and they're, like, first responders, and they're, um, it's, like, we need all these different people fulfilling all these different roles. Yeah. You know, we can't all just do the same thing. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very complicated. Like, because trying to create change, like, it's never going to be easy. We all yeah. know that. But I think, like, like one day at a time, one petition, maybe, like, ten, they're really easy to sign. But, like, like one petition being shouted out in your story is going to do way more than you posting a black square. Right. And I think, like, as a display, it's good. As a sentimental thing, it's good because it gets people to be aware of how big it is. Like, if you weren't aware of it and your whole timeline got blacked out and you were like, what's going on? Right. And then there was information there, that'd be weird. Like, I had a friend who, like, when she posted it, she had a, all the links to the petitions. Like, she had signed that she had, like, you know, in there. And she was, like, shouting out a link tree on a specific account. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that's important that's always going to be more important than kind of virtue signaling in any way. Like, no matter what issue you're talking about, if I'm like, the wage gap is bad, but then I don't explain what's going on and I don't, like, it's with any of those things. If I'm like, sexism is bad, like, and then I don't tell you how you can 
fix it and I don't show links to petitions to change it or understand what I'm talking about, (laughs) it won't make sense. Like, cause like I, like I shout out a fair amount of petitions on my story. I think less so now. Cause like, I don't know which ones, like I'll sign them when I see them and stuff. But like, there's also the issue of like, like your activism can't be a trend. It can't be something that like you're only doing when it's like the majority of popular culture mm-hmm. should be continuous. Yeah. And like, if it's no easy, who, it's probably, yeah. Yeah. Not activist. I think that like, like even if you mention it once, it's going to be a little bit helpful, but like, you know, I think that, like, with a lot of change that people are trying to create, we're past the point of, mm-hmm. like, let's all agree that this is bad and be like, okay, let's all agree that we need to change A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. If you could, I know we talked about how it's mm-hmm. annoying that millennials, like, kind of Twitter, do Twitter <laughs> activism, but don't actually do much of anything. I, I have a lot of people that listen to my podcast who are around my age, so 20s and 30s. Yeah. And they are very scared to, they're often quite scared to, like, jump off the cliff and, like, live their own authentic lives and make decisions. Yeah. For, like, because they feel that pressure, they feel afraid, they don't want to lose the people that are in their lives who might judge them or not continue to... Like, like in terms of bringing up the difficult parts of those conversations. Yeah. Or like, like, so I feel like what a lot of, uh, the position that a lot of people my age are in is that they sort of blindly decided to live a very conventional life. Right. So they did the college thing. Maybe they got into a relationship. They didn't really question many things or just, they didn't think it was an option. They thought the only way for me to like be accepted and loved and like Mm -hmm. normal in the world, I have to do X, Y, Z. But then they realize, like, that's bullshit. I'm miserable. I hate this relationship. I hate this job. I don't want to do this. I want to actually live a life that's meaningful for me. So maybe that means quitting the job, buying a van and living it in it and, like, making art or something. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, it's weird to me because I, like, like, what I see on the internet, like, I don't have a ton of people who are, like, in that situation that I see around me. But I think... A lot of the time when you kind of experience people like wanting to make a change, like just being like, oh, I I need this is wrong. This doesn't work for me. I think if you go so long without questioning the things that you're doing, without being like, is this really what I want to be doing or is this going to make like my parents happy? Right. You have to like know yourself a little bit. And I think there's a lot of pressure to do things before you really know yourself and really know who you are and who you want to be. Right. Yeah, I just, I wonder if, um, because my opinion about this stuff is that, like, to not live the life you want to lead, to not actually do things that you find are meaningful, are not just fucking up your life, but I wonder what influence that has on younger generations. And I wonder for you, being in this position in your life where you see people, let's say, in their 20s and 30s who are, like, kind of getting it, but not totally, if when you get to that age that you'll have this perspective of, like, I have a responsibility for myself and my life, but also the people that are younger than me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I feel that level of, like, responsibility. Like, I definitely feel like, oh, like, you know, they're going to be here. Like, I don't know. I don't see... 
But there are people, because we talked about this last night, that there are people that you look up to, I feel like. Yes, yeah. of course there are. Yeah. Like. And I wonder how, if there were more of those people in my generation, I'd be like, oh, that person's doing a thing I want to do. Yeah. The, the more of those people there are, the more likely it is that we all will do cool, meaningful shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, like, like, you can find meaning in, like, anything that you're doing. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not going to you know, whatever career path or life you live, like you can find meaning in that. And anyone could find something that, you know, there are things that I can't imagine myself doing that I know people who would thrive in that environment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just kind of like knowing, like you have to know yourself enough to like know what you want to be. And a lot of people are encouraged to make huge decisions about their future when they're 18 years old. And when you're 18, you might know yourself a little bit, but you don't know everything. Right. Like, you can't drink legally in the United States. Why do you think you can decide what you want to do for the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like if by the time you get to, like, 18 or whatever the age is, that you have to start to, like, pick colleges and you still don't know? I have to pick colleges next year, so. That's crazy. Yeah, I have to apply. Does that freak you out that, like, maybe you won't figure it out by Not then? Not really, because I kind of... I like, I don't know how to describe this. I, I feel like, yes, I don't know what I want to study. I don't mm-hmm. know like what I want to do in the future, but like, like next year I have to like pick schools and like see them. I think I have to start the application process for like out of country schools if mm-hmm. I want to apply there. But like a lot of that stuff even though it's kind of scary and big and crazy, that's like one little of like oh where do I want to be mm-hmm. like where do I see myself and it's just kind of like picking the best environment for you to like figure out who you are right. so like there's a lot of layers of like why it's difficult to like make decisions and take charge of your life and most of them are because you still definitely feel like a child yeah when you make those decisions like yeah. I'm a bit old for my grade just like like I'm gonna be 18 for a massive chunk of my senior year Mm -hmm. like I'm an adult technically like I could take my parents off of the roster at school and it would only be my responsibility to like deal with my absences and go to the doctor like there are plenty of stuff where like where like I could take charge of that while I'm while I still feel like I'm not an adult right I don't know yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I wonder, I went to a school where we there were no majors. You never had to declare majors. <laughs> so you just, everyone got a Bachelor of Arts, and you could focus on what you wanted to focus on if you did. But if you just wanted to take, like, some classes about religion and some classes about sexuality and acting classes, you could totally... That fun, honestly. Yeah. So everyone gets a degree. If, you're, if you are hyper-interested in something, you can do it. But if you're not, you can play around. And I'm really grateful for that because when I went to college, I thought I wanted to be an actress, which I very quickly realized I didn't want to do. I actually wanted to learn things. Um, and I ended up deciding I wanted to study gender and sexuality. But, like, mm-hmm. what would have happened had I had to declare before I even got there, what I wanted to do. And then it was like too late to change it later on. And I feel like because I was able to experiment, I had no idea going into college that I was interested in gender and sexuality. It was just because I took a class and was like, oh, you can study this? That's great. Yeah. I think like a lot 
a lot of that stuff kind of exists of like wanting to put people in boxes very quickly. Like once you start to get in like past elementary school, people are like, are you a math or humanities person? And you're like, I don't know. Maybe I hate the teacher. Maybe I hate the subject. We'll figure that out. Right. But like, there's a lot of kind of ways that we try to like label people really quickly to like figure out what they're going to be and what, you know, who they are very young. And there's a lot less time of like, here's this window of like, just decide, just you try things and you figure it out from there. Not like you read the description and then you decide what you're going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder how things would be different if people, all people sort of had that flexibility, you know, I feel like that would make a big difference in the world. Or even that thing that you said, like there are things that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. But there, that doesn't mean that that's what I want to do. Like yeah. I, I've talked to several people who listen to this podcast who are are friends of mine who are like really good at math in high school. Yeah. So like they're I am really good at math. yeah. So their guidance <laughs> counselor, whomever, was like, oh, you should like be an engineer. Here are the things you can do when you're good at math, or like here be an architect. But they were like, I guess my brain just worked in a way that I was good at math. But like, and then I became an engineer. But this isn't. I'm not actually happy. Like this isn't what yeah. I want to do just because I'm good at it. Yeah. I think because like. Like, that exists within everything, you know? Yeah. Like, being good at something and really enjoying it are separate things. Like, right. a lot of people are good at things that they enjoy because they they actively want to, like, participate in those subjects. Yeah. But, like, there's a whole separate kind of part of you that's, like, who you wish you could be and what you, like, enjoy doing, even if you're not necessarily, like, the most talented person ever at it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's yeah. just, it's just like finding where those converge kind of helps. So who are, I know you mentioned someone last night, but who are some people in the world? Young I people don't know. Like, you say Emma Watson. You yes, yeah. I do like her. Cause I think <laughs> like she has, like, I admire the fact that like she speaks up on so many issues and that she is kind of very self-aware. She, you know, she has a platform and she uses it fairly well, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't pinpoint a lot of people that I, like, look up to all the time because there's always, like, a drawback of, like, I, like, really appreciate those people. Like, I don't know what... Like, there are plenty of, like, political figures who, mm-hmm. like, I really admire them, but I don't want to, like, be them. Be them, yeah. Because it's, like, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. I think she's amazing and I think her going... Well, she was amazing. (laughs) Her going after all of that stuff and, like, you know, being such a diligent student and working so hard is incredible. And I kind of aspire to have that working mindset. At the same time, sometimes this, her, that hardworking attitude affected her health and, like, made it harder for, like, she's talked about sleeping, like, an hour before having to go and, you know, be on the bench at the Supreme Court. And it's like, that, doesn't sound like the kind of person that I am like you know like I want to I want to work hard and I want to do something I love but I also like value my own sanity and like my mental health and kind of like finding a balance in those which is why most of the people that I admire tend to be celebrities who talk about mental health and talk about them finding balances and like what they're doing you know do you feel like that's I know you briefly mentioned that you didn't want to have kids. Is that? I mean, that's partially just because, like, 
childbirth sounds like the most terrifying <laughs> thing I've ever heard of. Um, like, like also being responsible for like I have a pet and I have to be responsible for her. Like she's a little rabbit. Yeah. Um, but like being responsible for another human being sounds very stressful to me. And like, it's also partially like I'm very young. I don't like think, think about having yeah. kids like in anywhere in the near future. Yeah. But like, I think that there's also a sense of like, you know, like they're just a lot of work. And <laughs> just because everyone has a kid doesn't yeah. just because a lot of people have kids doesn't mean children are for everyone. Like, yeah. like I enjoy, like I'm, I babysit. So like, I'm fine, like being around little kids and like talking to them and like, you know, like they say interesting things, like they're pretty funny sometimes, but like, there's also just kind of like, they're like very fragile and like taking care of something that is so defenseless sounds completely terrifying to me. Like <laughs> imagine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. I think I I had a weird thing growing up because I really like kids. Like sometimes I'll be at a party with like adults and there's kids and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go hang out with the kids because I don't really want to have they're a conversation. They're entertaining. Yeah, they're just like, like you just My be little yourself. cousin is like super funny because yeah. like she'll tell me all about her life and like the she'll like put a blanket on and she's like a bird and yeah. she's like telling me about her bird life and I'm like, yeah. this, this is, is incredible, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I think... Yeah, I don't know. I, my point is that I, I, for a while, didn't know how to rationalize the fact that, like, how do I... I want to be around children. I want to hang out with children. I, I like being in, like, a mom role. Yeah. But to recognize that, like, oh, okay, so let's say I did live in some sort of, like, communal environment and my friends had kids or there were just kids around, <laughs> that I could still hang out with kids and, and take, take care, care of... But didn't... Right. So it's, like, the difference between having kids and being a mother. It's, like, you can be a mother without actually birthing children. Yes. You know? I mean, like, there's also, like, adoption and stuff. Right. Like, that people do. Yeah. I mean, that in that case... You still kind you of like, have it's like kid, honorary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Like, I mean, my friend wished I was a C-section, so my friend wished me happy removal day um, <laughs> oh, on my last birthday. I've never heard that. I was too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it was man. a little. It was a little bit funny because she, she was like, "You technically were born, we're but birth. you weren't born <laughs> the same way as everyone else." And I'm like, "Thank you." Yeah. That's really cool. I was cool. cut out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it also feels like a strange time in the world yeah. to think about bringing kids. Well, like, <laughs> there, are, there are people who are, like, having kids. Like, I, I see know. people. I know. Like, I see people, like, you know, they're, like, holding their, like, newborn child and, you know, they're perfectly happy and they're, like, that's kind of a source of purpose for right. a lot of people. Like, right. but also... Sometimes when, like, everything seems so, like, crazy, the idea of, like, you can do this and here's a defenseless, like, person that, you know, yeah. you have to be in charge. Yeah. Well, that's, like, it's weird, too, because I think for a while I felt like it was selfish because I thought I want to do a lot of stuff in my life. Like, I want to yeah. travel. I want to... I think about that. Yeah. Like, and it's, like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be a happy person if I yeah. have a kid who I feel like resentful of and who's like taking my yeah. life away from, that's not going to be good for that kid either. Yeah. Well, like, cause like I was born pretty late, like in my parents' life, like my mom turned 42, like mm -hmm. two weeks after I was born. So like for most people, that's like, 
they've either already had kids or they're not planning on having any. But I think, like, because she experienced a lot of, she has a lot of life experience ahead of me, like, Mm -hmm. that, you know, she'll, she can talk to me about, like, but there's a lot of time in her life when I wasn't a factor. Like, I'll know her for my entire life, but she will know me for a larger fraction as time goes on, but never, never the full thing. Right, right. So, like, I think, I think that there's an element of, like, like, obviously, I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know if I'll change my mind, as most people do. But I also mm-hmm. think that, like, we should kind of normalize the idea that not everyone is going to, like, have their own children and, like, want to do all of that stuff. Yeah, like, or normalize all of this, that not everyone's yeah. going to go to college, not everyone's yeah. going to have a job that's, yeah. you know, a conventional one, at least. Well, because, like, I feel like... Like, when I take care of my little cousin, sometimes my, like, aunts will be like, oh, my God, like, you're going to be such a good mother someday. I'll be like, that is really stressful. I'm, like, I'm 16. I, I'm not thinking about having children right now. And it kind of, the idea is kind of scary to me, even right. though, even though I can be, like, a caregiver. I can't, like, I can, I can, like, 50% of the time I can, like, wash my cousins. But yeah. I, like... You know, it, there's like a whole disconnect between like all of that stuff. And I feel like especially with young women, you kind of get t- people talk about like when you're a mother as yeah. if uh, it's it's, it's a when right. like it's 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 happening in the minds of everyone. Yeah. And you're like, OK, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> but it's kind of at some point it's like, wh- why can't it just be if? Yeah. Why can't it be like, oh, like this is a possibility. You don't have to do it, though. Instead, it's like you're having children one day. I'm like grandchildren. Yeah. Great grandchildren. Like I have a great great grandmother who like, you know, she's seen a lot of the younger cousins, the young children being born. Like, I don't know. I just like. Kids are cool. They're fun. They probably, there's a lot of great sides of like people parenting their kids, but there's also like the weirdness of people assuming that every single other person is going to have children. Right. So if you feel like, I mean, yeah, if you feel like you could say to, let's say people in their like 20s, 30s, 40s, (laughs) how, like, what would be a way that you would not necessarily like what do you you wish we did, but like mm-hmm. how how could we like support your generation? Vote. Vote. Like yeah. like if you're a voter and you're like actively championing like trying to educate and like learn and also trying to educate younger people, that's also important. I think just like don't get the whole superiority of being older. Like, we're the, we know better. Right. Or, you know, it's kind of just, like, being self-aware enough to, like, understand, like, oh, like, we're going to have different experiences yeah. throughout our lives. And just kind of, like, understanding that that experience is not going to be the same as Gen Z. Um, like, we we definitely have a lot of things in common in gener- as yeah. far as generations go, like, for some reason, the older generations just decided to hate us. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of difference between, like, 
the amount of life experience we've had and the amount of time we've been dealing with that. So I feel Mm -hmm. like just kind of understanding that, like, like, yes, one generation is going to have, like, a slightly more morbid view of the world. I think that might be Gen Z, just based on how much of the bad stuff happened when they were so young. Yeah. I think, if anything, you are just more honest and aware of that earlier on. Yeah. Because I think we saw that and experienced that like we were the first generation where school shootings were a thing whereas before like oh, right. that was not a thing before and we were like oh yeah you could like go into school and just get like shot by your friend like that's yeah. not a normal thing but i think we were maybe because generations before us didn't have those experiences or um just because those things were too there wasn't enough support for us to like deal with that sort of like level of pain or trauma or fear around it that we just tried to like push it away and push it away and push it away instead of being super honest about what was going on and i feel like that is a way that your generation has a leg up because it's like yeah it's hard to deny it or push it away because yeah. it's everywhere it's yeah yeah like we we have like active shooter drills in school i don't know if like yeah. you experienced those in high school but like yeah. where they they're like this is what you do if there's someone with a gun on campus right. or like one of your classmates and it's like As much as, like, all that preparation is very important, but, like, kind of growing up thinking about all that stuff is, it's different. different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree. Well, this is an uplifting end yeah. to our conversation. Yeah. Um, so I do ask everyone who's on the podcast okay. if they could recommend one book to the audience that they really loved. I don't know. This is a difficult one. Or, like, one you read recently that was really good. Or... I have to think about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I read Wuthering Heights. I really liked that. Yeah. Like, But the, I feel like a lot of people have read that. But it's a great book. Like, it's got <laughs> it's a, valid. People themes. recommend very... Also, yeah, the ahead. book of Coraline, even mm. if you've seen the movie, the book is like creepier and it's really cool. <laughs> I'm reading it for English right now, so... Cool. Thanks, Manila. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, did you for great. having me. <laughs> Hello again. Thank you for sticking around and listening to that conversation. Um, I want to read a passage for you out of Belonging, which is the book that myself and my patrons are reading for our book club this month. Um, I would love to just read the entire book to you. If you're not participating in the book club, I highly recommend reading this book. Um, I feel like every word that I read is something that I've either thought or said previously, which is a really wonderful experience to sort of be mirrored in that way. She talks a lot about how so many of us who are the quote-unquote black sheep, which I would assume is probably the vast majority of the listeners of this show, if not basically every single one of you. I think we've all gone through an experience where we felt different, we felt weird, we felt like an alien, we felt like we didn't belong. And instead of, you know, having the kind of courage and bravery to seek out our own community and our own lives, we um, succumbed to the pressure um, of our friends, of our family, of society as a whole. Certainly do not blame any of us for not having the courage to go out on our own. We are a communal species and we need each other. We need to be a part of a group. Um, and I think what ends up happening is that we seek out false belonging, which is something that Tokopa talks about in this book all the time, uh, instead of genuine belonging. And that hopefully through the process of realizing that we've, you know, um, 
split off parts of ourselves to fit in that we can sort of go on our own hero's journey in order to regain and remember the full capacity of who we are and find a community that embrace us, embraces us in that wholeness. Um, but there is a uh, part of this book where she calls it the black sheep gospel, which is sort of, uh, let's see, I think 13 different uh, recommendations or steps uh to live a full life if you feel like you are the weirdo and you are the odd one out and that nobody is supporting you here is a sort of manifesto as to what you can what you can do and where you can go so the black sheep gospel one give up your vows of silence which only serve to protect the old and the stale two unwind your vigilance soften your belly open your jaw and speak the truth you long to hear three be the champion of your right to be here. Four, know that it is you who must first accept your rejected qualities, adopting them with the totality of your love and commitment. Aspire to let them never feel outside of love again. Five, venerate your too muchness with an ever renewing vow to become increasingly weird and eccentric. Six, send out your signals of originality with frequency and constancy honoring whatever small trickle of response you may get until you reach a momentum. 7. Notice your helpers and not your unbelievers. 8. Remember that your offering needs no explanation. It is its own explanation. 9. Go it alone until you are alone with others. Support each other without hesitation. 10. Become a crack in the network that undermines the great towers of establishment. 11. Make your life a wayfinding, proof that we can live outside the usual grooves. 12. I think this is my favorite. Brag about your escape. 13. Send your missives into the network to be reproduced. Let your symbols be adopted and adapted and transmitted broadly into the new culture we're building together. Fuck yeah, is all I have to say about that. Um... Yeah, let's do it for all of us. Let's do it for the fanulas of the world who are coming after us. Let's create the world that we know we all want to live in and that we all want to see for ourselves, um, for the people older than us that didn't get the opportunity, and certainly for the people younger than us that are so, so deserving. I'm going to play you out with Ooh La La by Faces. I hope you enjoy, and I will catch you next week.
the dressing room. 